If I were to preach a whole series on just the life of the church together, which is really beyond the scope of what this series has been about, but if I were to teach a whole series on the life of the church together, I think I might title it Expect More. Expect More. I, I, I think we've come, not just this group of people particularly, but like in the church in America, we've come to expect very little. Very little from one another. We don't really expect very much from the people that we're sitting next to. We, we, we don't really expect very much often from our pastors and teachers. We don't expect very much from our fellow worshipers and attenders. Usually, sometimes, I think sometimes it's easy to get in the mindset of just checking off a religious duty box, right? Okay, went to church, got that out of the way. We're not really expecting very much. We don't always expect very much from those who teach or care for our kids. Just like put the kids in a room and make sure someone is keeping them alive and we'll do our thing over here. That's kind of how church seems to go a lot of times uh, in our day and culture. And frankly, I I think sometimes we don't expect very much from God either. We don't always come to a worship gathering of the church really expecting, I'm going to meet with God today. God is going to be in the presence of his people, and he's going to speak, and he's going to convict, and he's going to challenge, and he's going to encourage. We're meeting with God. I think sometimes we just, okay, church, get that done, sang that song, sat down, stood up, listened to some guy talk for a while, and let's go get lunch. So I think I would want to call us as a church community to expect more. Expect more from church. Expect more from one another. Expect more from uh, the Lord. Expect more in our experience of what the church can be. So today and next Sunday, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to call on us to start expecting more. Next Sunday, on our actual Covenant Sunday, the, the message will focus on basically your responsibilities as members of Imprint Community Church and what you should expect from one another, okay? So not just what's expected of me as a member, but what I can expect from the people around me who are covenanting with me. Um, So we'll talk next week about expecting more from one another as we carry out our mission and live out our confession together. But today, I'm going to tell you what you should expect from your elders. Now, for now, that's just me. I do envision and pray for a day that God would, uh, would raise up other faithful men to stand alongside and serve as elders in the church. Um, but for now, uh, I'm, I'm the only elder. So this, I'll use elders in plural sometimes um, because these things will apply to anyone who serves in print as an elder uh, in the future. But for right now, this applies to me. So in some ways, I'm kind of giving you my job description, the job description of a pastor or an elder. Uh, at Imprint Community Church, Um, and I'm going to kind of just give it to you in four broad categories, all right? There's more that could be said than I'm going to say about what a pastor should do, Um, but in four broad categories, I'm going to give you a job description of your elders at Imprint, And and I'll suggest to you that if I, as a pastor of Imprint Community Church, don't carry out any of these four areas of responsibility, you should insist that I carry them out. You should remind me of my calling. You should say, you need to carry out the calling of an elder and a pastor at Imprint. Because 
as a member of Imprint Community Church, um, elders, in our understanding of, of, of biblical church leadership, really are under the authority of the gathered whole. So we believe in an elder-led congregationalism. That's a lot of big words that we don't need to unpack for right now. Um, but what that basically means is that the final authority, the final court of appeals, so to speak, is the, the church itself, the congregation itself. The church appoints its leaders and elders and dismisses its leaders and elders when that's necessary. Um, and so there's a, so elders lead, right? But the church itself bears the ultimate uh, and final authority under the lordship of Christ. And so um, as an elder, if I'm not meeting the requirements, if I'm not living out the calling that God has placed on me as a pastor from the New Testament, you should hold my feet to the fire about it, right? You should call me to it and any elders that we have in the future. So I'm also going to be using the term pastor and elder kind of interchangeably because I believe the New Testament does. Sometimes the, I believe pastor and elder refer to the same office in the church uh, in the New Testament, so you, you might hear me using those words interchangeably. But so here are four broad categories um, of the, the pastor's job description and what you can expect, what you should expect from your pastors. Number one, expect your pastors to remain qualified. Expect your pastors to remain qualified. I'm going to invite you to turn in the scriptures to the book of 1 Timothy chapter 3. I read the, 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 these pastoral letters, 1 and 2 Timothy and Titus, with a, a kind of weight, uh, a kind of seriousness, um, of what God is calling me to as a pastor is, is a holy uh, and, and serious responsibility. And here in the beginning of chapter 3 of 1 Timothy, Paul is going to kind of lay out the uh, resume, if you will, of anyone qualified to serve as an elder, anyone qualified to serve as a pastor. So let me read to you the first seven verses of 1 Timothy 3. This saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, which is the same as elder or pastor, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders, so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. So there's a number of characteristics there, qualifications for someone who's going to serve as a pastor. To be above reproach means there's nothing in this man's life that could be dug up or brought out to public that would bring shame on the church, on Christ, on himself, 
Okay, so to be above reproach is that there's no accusation against the, the pastor's character and life that would shame the church in the name of Christ and disqualify him from serving in this public ministry. Above reproach. Husband of one wife, so faithful in marriage. Some people interpret this very rigidly and say if there's divorce in a person's past, he's completely ineligible to be a pastor. That's not how I see that. I think he's speaking about the current character of the pastor. So he needs to be faithful in his marriage, a faithful man, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable. You can see this list of things. These are character things. Hospitable, welcoming to people. He's not violent. He's not quarrelsome, like unnecessarily just picking fights with people about things. Manages his household well. His children are under control, submissive, right? Not a recent convert. So you can see this list of things here. There's a similar list to this in the book of Titus in chapter 1, and, and Paul just he repeats much of the same material, but adds a few things. So the things that he adds in Titus are that, that the pastor should not be arrogant, uh, quick-tempered. He needs to be a, not quick-tempered, excuse me. He needs to be a lover of good. Um, he needs to be upright, which I think has to do with integrity. What he says is what he does, and who he is in public is who he is in private. Holy, disciplined, and holding firm to the trustworthy word as taught. So guarding the gospel. And that's why I think it's important that, that Paul puts in the First Timothy list that he needs to be able to teach. So that's somebody who has a good enough understanding of the Christian faith and the message of Christ uh, and the teaching of the scriptures that he is able to pass that message on to others and to lead the church to guard that message together. Okay, So that's a heavy list. And in some ways it feels a little bit goofy um, and almost self-promoting to say, yep, I totally got all that down, right? That, that, it feels arrogant, which is one of the, I can't be arrogant as a pastor. So there, there's, a, there's a, a line to walk here where if I believe that I do not meet these qualifications, um, then I ought to have the integrity, and I pray that I would have the integrity to come to you and say, hey, I don't think I'm measuring up to what God calls a pastor to be. And if you see that these qualifications are out of sync with my life and with my witness and my leadership in the church or any other pastor, who's someone who serves as a pastor here, you should call me on it. You should say, hey, I think I see something out of step here. And that's part of what it means to be a covenant community is that we have that kind of uh, responsibility for one another and that kind of authority. We give each other permission to, to speak into one another's lives in that way. And an elder is no less, okay? So yes, I'm a leader in our church family, but I am still a member, right? I'm also one of you. And so as members of the church, you will have the right uh, and the responsibility uh, to, to speak into my life in those ways as well. Now, that doesn't mean be nitpicky and critical and all those kind of things, um, but it does mean I've got to take seriously the character uh, calling, the character qualifications of what it means to be a pastor. And you've got to take that seriously too and recognize where there might be things that are out of sync, out of step 
So you should expect your pastors to not just be qualified on the day they're appointed, but to remain qualified. And if at any point these things become out of sync, it may be time for that pastor to step aside at least for a season until things are back in order. Uh, And the church has the right and the responsibility to ensure that its pastors are leading in this way and carrying out uh, his calling uh, with the character that Paul lists here in 1 Timothy and in Titus. That's a holy and heavy responsibility that lies on my shoulders as a pastor. I need to be aware of uh, how I am walking and living and leading you as, uh, as a family, a church family. And you should expect that. You should expect no less than that from any pastors or elders at Imprint Community Church now or in the future. So expect more. Expect your pastors to remain qualified. And to be honest with you, I think we see so many pastors fail and disqualify themselves that we kind of, I think we've almost become cynical to the idea that it's even possible for a pastor to remain qualified. Nobody remains qualified, right? Um, because at some point, he's going to do something that brings shame on the name of Christ and the church, and he's going to have to be dismissed. We've seen it far too many times. And so I don't pretend uh, that I'm above that, that there's absolutely no way that I could ever slip or stumble into that kind of sin that would disqualify me. Um, But what I'm calling you to is to make sure that I don't do that. And if I do that, that you're going to hold me accountable and that you're going to call to me and you're going to call me to repent. So expect more. Expect your pastors to remain qualified. Here's the second thing. Expect your pastors to faithfully preach the gospel. In 2 Timothy 4, 1 and 2, so I think I've got this verse up on a slide for you. Uh, In 2 Timothy, so this is the second letter that Paul writes to his young disciple, his kind of pastoral disciple, and this is probably the last letter that Paul wrote. He's about to be martyred, basically. So these are kind of Paul's last words uh, to his pastoral protege, and so what it comes down to is this in first, uh, Second Timothy chapter 4. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. In Paul's mind, there's plenty of other things that kind of come along with pastoral ministry, but the heart of it is this. And he calls God the Father and Jesus the Son to witness his charge to Timothy here. Preach the word. When it comes down to it, if you do only one thing, preach the word. Don't stray from the truth of God's word. Do not stray from the gospel that has been handed down to you and entrusted to you. Take care to preach the word. Expect your pastors to faithfully preach the word. If I stop preaching the word, gripe at me. Come to me and say, why aren't you preaching the word? I even feel a little weird about this sermon series because I'm not going through a passage. I'm kind of bopping around and we're talking about a doctrinal statement and these kind of things. 
I don't like that. I feel like uncomfortable about that. I want to, the boundaries of a text of scripture, which is why I'm very excited very soon to get back to the gospel of John and just preach one passage after another because I don't have anything new or fresh or innovative or wise that you need to hear from me. What you need is God's word. That's all that I can give you. And that's what Paul says, don't do anything less than preach the word. Preach God's word faithfully. You should expect that of me. You should expect that of anyone who ever serves as a pastor of Imprint Community Church. Preach the word. And I think that, that this preaching the word and preaching the gospel includes uh, the administering of the ordinances. So baptism and the Lord's Supper are a part of the faithful proclamation of the gospel. And so uh, we have not taken the Lord's Supper together because we haven't yet covenanted. So I'm planning and actually greatly looking forward to on the 12th of November taking the Lord's Supper together for the first time as a church. So next Sunday, after our worship service, uh, we will have a, a baptism ceremony, um, a baptism celebration uh, at the Simpkins' house. And um, so we'll have a few people to get baptized, which is exciting. And then the following Sunday, we will take the Lord's Supper together for the first time. So both of those ordinances will be observed within that two-week period of time. And I think that's an important aspect of gospel ministry and proclamation. So expect your pastors to faithfully preach the gospel and to preach the word of God. Don't let me stray from that. Don't let anyone who stands in the pulpit uh, in a leadership capacity for this church, don't let anybody who does that wander away from that and start teaching his own ideas or his own philosophies. What you need is God's word, and that's all that I have to give. Preach the word. Number three, expect your pastors to provide watchful care for you. Expect your pastors to provide watchful care for you. In Hebrews 13, verse 17, which will be on your screen momentarily. There we go. Oh, no, you skipped one. Back up. There it is. All right. Hebrews 13, 17 says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. A few things that need to be said about this verse. It says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, which points out that there is some level of authority in the office of elder or pastor in a church. But again, I've already said that, that the final authority rests within the congregation itself. So the authority that the elders and pastors have within the life of the church is kind of an authority, to use an old phrase, the authority of counsel. So we elders lead, we suggest, we guide, we teach, we train, and those kind of things. And, and we say, this is what I think we ought to do. And so, and in as far as those suggestions and that leadership and that counsel from your elders is biblical and wise and seems good, um, you ought to, as a church, respect that and generally follow and obey. Again, going back to number one, you've got to expect your pastors to stay qualified. You've got to make sure that your pastors are preaching the gospel, okay? So if it falls outside of those boundaries, you don't have to obey them. You don't have to submit to them. But in the context of a, of a faithful, gospel-preaching, uh, qualified pastoral ministry, 
uh, obey your leaders and submit to them. That doesn't mean you've got to do everything I say and I get to tell you how to live your life and all those kind of things. That's not what that means. But it means take seriously the guidance that your pastors and elders will provide to you. So why? Why should you submit to your leaders in this way? Because they are keeping watch over your souls. They're keeping watch over your souls. This is what it means to be a pastor. It means I am watching over the souls of the people in my church family. The New Testament loves the analogy of shepherding. And in fact, that's what the word pastor means. It means shepherd. Now, that's an analogy that doesn't make sense a lot, in a lot of ways to our culture because we're not an agrarian culture. We don't, shepherding is not some major industry for us. And there have been pastors recently who have said, we should stop talking about shepherding uh, in terms of pastoral ministry. But I disagree because I think the New Testament repeats over and over that a, pa- that, that a pastor is just that. He's a shepherd. And the people of the church are the flock, right? So Peter will, will urge uh, the, the elders in the church to which he writes. He says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. So I don't think that's intended to be an insult because people jump to conclusions, well, sheep are stupid and sheep are messy and sheep are ugly. So that must mean that the people of God are all stupid and ugly and messy. And that's obviously not the, not the point. The point is the flock and the shepherd have a relationship where the shepherd and his very livelihood depends upon this group of sheep being healthy and being accounted for and being well provided for. That is the kind of relationship that a pastor and his congregation should have. So why should you submit to your leaders and obey them? Because they care for you. Your your pastors are watching out for you. The pastors are caring for your souls. There's a few ways that that expresses itself. means a few things for you. First of all, you'll always have someone praying for you. Because part of of faithful pastoral ministry is praying for his people. A pastor needs to be praying for his people, and I do. I pray for you. You'll always have someone praying for you. You'll always have a listening ear. So if there's something going on in your life, you need someone to pray for you, you need some encouragement, you just need to vent a little bit, you can trust your pastor to be a listening ear. I'm there. You know how to find me. You can call me. Uh, You can come to my house. You know where I am, all right? You'll always have a listening ear. It also means that you'll never slip through the cracks. Very easy to happen. Uh, in churches today, certainly in larger churches, but even in smaller churches where, the, where pastoral care is not really done very faithfully or carefully, um, it's easy to kind of get forgotten about. And you might say you get sick or you're gone for a few weeks or something and you go, you know, nobody even ever contacted me and nobody ever said they missed me and my pastor didn't, you know, didn't think to ask what was going on. You're not going to slip through the cracks here. If you're a member of Imprint Community Church and you are one of the flock that God has entrusted to me to lead and to shepherd, you won't fall through the cracks. I'm going to watchfully care for you. So, obey your leaders and submit to them. Why? Because they're keeping watch over your souls. How am I keeping watch over your souls? In what manner, in what character am I keeping watch over your souls? As those... Who will have to give an account? This sits heavy on the shoulders of a pastor. I will stand before God one day and answer to him for the way I cared for the sheep in my flock. That's how seriously God takes this. When he takes his people, 
his beloved, his children, and he places them into a church family, and he appoints leaders and shepherds over them to watch over their souls. He cares so much about his children that he is going to hold that pastor's feet to the fire. How did you care for my people? How did you feed my sheep? How did you watch out for their souls? That is a serious, serious charge. James, and it's why James in uh, his letter, James 3.1 says, not many of you should be teachers because we know that teachers will be judged with greater strictness. There's a weight on the shoulders of a pastor to faithfully care for his people. And I take that very seriously. There was a 19th century Scottish pastor named John Brown who you know, was discipling a young, uh, young pastor. And this young pastor was appointed to a church uh, as its pastor. But it was a small church. And so uh, John Brown wrote a letter to this pastor, you know, kind of congratulating him and celebrating, but also kind of giving him some advice about like how to carry out his new pastoral appointment. And he said, and he said this, I know the vanity of your heart and that you will feel mortified that your congregation is very small in comparison with those of your brethren around you, which is a very real temptation in the heart of a pastor as well. How come that guy gets a big church and I have a little church? But assure yourself on the word of an old man that when you come to give an account of them to the Lord Christ at his judgment seat, you will think you have had enough. Right? Small congregation is just fine if you consider seriously the weight of responsibility that you have in their lives. So I could be the pastor of a mega church and not even know the names of all the people in my church. How do you think my account giving at the judgment seat is going to go? Well, you know, I lots of marketing and did lots of like made sure that people had like par- nice parking spaces and we had lots of seats and um, lots of great things and yeah we mobilized people to go over there but they I didn't I didn't know them I didn't care for them I think that's troubling so there's there's a weight and a seriousness of this calling um, that that a pastor needs to always be aware of and you should expect it of your pastors you should insist that your pastors are keeping watchful care over you. And I like, <laughs> I like as a pastor, I like that the author of Hebrews gives this little uh, parentheses at the end. By the way, let them do this with joy and not with groaning because that would be of no advantage for you. And I think we kind of get the idea of what that means. And so uh, if I'm watching over people, but it's with groaning because people are unresponsive or argumentative or they wander and don't respond well to instruction or whatever, like or they're nitpicky or they're controlling or those kind of things. Like there's all the things that uh, pastors get together and kind of gripe about. I'm sorry it happens. They do it. We should do it less, but it does happen. All right. And so the things that make pastoral ministry feel like groaning and grumbling and burden, the author of Hebrews here says, you, it doesn't have to be that way. And in fact, you have a responsibility as a sheep to make sure that your pastor is watching over you, not with groaning, but with joy. How do you do that? It means just be responsive. Be ready to hear God's word. Be, be ready to serve and, and, and learn and grow together. A pastor watching over your soul is to your advantage. That's the phrase that he uses there. It's for your good that, that there's a pastor watching over your soul in this way. But if you make it a nightmare for your pastors, then their care for you will suffer because they won't do it as much or they'll try to stay away or they go, I can't figure out how to care for this person, so I'm going gonna, 
oh, I see that so-and-so is calling me. I'm just going to, like, let them leave a voicemail, right? My care for you will suffer if you make it a nightmare, (laughs) all right? And that's not to your advantage. It won't do you any good. So I like that little parentheses at the end. So expect your pastors to exercise watchful care over your souls, but make it a joy for them, all right? Make it a joy and not a burden, not a groaning to them. Final thing that I'll cover today. You should expect your pastors to equip you for ministry. Expect your pastors to equip you for ministry. This is from Ephesians chapter 4. That verse will be up on the screen as well. Verses 11 through 13 says this, And he gave, that is the Lord to the church, he gave the apostles, prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers, pause, various interpretations of what exactly that means. I, th- I think the apostles and prophets are the foundation of the church and that they brought the authoritative word of God to his people, uh, announced the gospel, if you will. Uh, and so that provides kind of the foundation upon which the church builds. And so then evangelists, shepherds, and teachers, I think, are more like responsibilities or characteristics of a pastor, all right? So the work of a pastor is the shepherd, the teacher, the evangelist, all right? He gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now, in this verse, uh, the King James version of it uh, has what uh, what J.I. Packer called a wicked comma because he says, that he provided, you know, shepherds and teachers. He gave shepherds and teachers to equip the saints, comma, for the work of ministry, and on it goes. And so if you read it in the King James, it looks like the work of ministry all belongs to the pastors. So the pastors are supposed to equip the saints, comma, do the work of ministry, right? But the comma's not there. In the, in the original manuscripts, there ain't no punctuation. It's just like words. Whoosh. So people, translators have to come in and figure out where the commas and stuff seem need to fit. So it's, a, it's better to look at this as the shepherds and teachers, the pastors, equipping the saints for the work of ministry. They're not equipping the saints, comma, doing the work of ministry. They're equipping you, the church, to do the work of ministry. So the work of ministry is yours. As the church, the congregation is the one with the responsibility to do the work of ministry. What is work of ministry? I mean, it could be all kinds of things, but prayer for one another, the old-fashioned word visitation, just going to see people and check in with them, compassion ministries, you know, providing meals for people who are in the hospital or whatever, those kind of things, disciple-making. Yep, that's the responsibility of church members to make disciples and lead people along. Evangelism. Just sharing the gospel with unbelievers and outsiders, that's not just the work of a pastor. That's the work of the church members. The church collectively and individually as they're spread and dispersed throughout the community is sharing the gospel. That's part of what it means to do the work of ministry. So my role as a pastor is not just to do all that stuff for you and you get to go, yeah, my pastor's a really cool guy. He does all this in the ministry for us and we just sit, in, sit down and show up and, uh, and do our thing. No, nope. my job is to equip you to do all that stuff right? 
to equip you to do all that stuff. Expect your pastors to equip you for the work of ministry. There's a few ways that that equipping can happen. Number one, teaching you God's word. Going back to what, uh, what I said in number two, preaching God's word. Teaching God's word to you in these, in these gatherings, in small group gatherings, in one-on-one conversations, teaching God's word to you is an important aspect of equipping you to do the work of ministry. Modeling faithful ministry. So just being an example of it. Here's what ministering to people, caring for people looks like. I need to provide that example in my own life for you to see. Counsel. Just advice. If you ask me, I'm not sure how to do this, come to me and ask me. Let me let's talk about it. That doesn't mean I know all the answers or that I'm going to do everything perfectly, but that's an aspect of equipping you to do the work of ministry is just providing counsel. Um, And I would also say that a part of equipping you to do the work of ministry is identifying and developing other elders. That is a component of, again, we, we envision and we hope for and pray for other elders being raised up from within the body to serve uh, the church as pastors. Um, And part of my job is going to be identifying and developing and bringing those guys along to serve in that capacity, okay? So there's other things that could be said about that, but expect your pastors to equip you. If you just come to church and warm a chair and learn something interesting and then you leave and nothing ever changes or you don't find yourself like employed in kingdom service with the church in some way, then there's a breakdown somewhere either in my failing to adequately equip you or in your refusing to receive that equipping. Breakdown could be in either or both of those places. But expect your pastors to equip you for the work of ministry so that the church carries out its calling in the world and lives out its confession faithfully. The last thing I'm going to do is, is just read for you um, another passage from 1 Timothy. This is 1 Timothy chapter 4. Verses 6 through 16. And again, the, the weight that I feel as a pastor in these kinds of instructions uh, is very significant. And so read, let's read these verses and hear through the Apostle Paul the Spirit of God calling to those who would serve as pastors. Here's what it means. Here's what you're called to do. Verse 6. If you put these things before the brothers, that is, faithful proclamation of the gospel and how to you know, stay true to Christ and those kind of things. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive, because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. 
Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Friends, expect more. Expect more from your pastors. Expect your pastors to remain qualified. Expect your pastors to faithfully preach the gospel. Expect your pastors to provide watchful care over your souls. And expect your pastors to equip you for the work of ministry to which God has called you.